All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? How's everybody doing? Are you okay? This is a little tricky. These uh, these next couple of shows. Well, this show and Thursday were uh, pre-recorded last week because my uh, my business partner and uh, genius producer, Mister uh, Brendan McDonald, is taking a well-deserved vacation. So uh, so we had to get these in the can. The only reason I'm bringing it up is because of the the Buster Kitten arc. the The emergency of his illness is now is now an arc. Uh, things are, are better with Buster, and I'll tell you about that. I do want to say this. We have the 1,000th episode uh, coming up. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. It's like almost a decade. And, uh, well, okay. So you know I like to read your emails on the air, so I want to hear any questions you might have uh, as we approach this milestone, 1,000 episodes. I, you know, Just email me. You know, any questions about any of the thousand episodes of the show or any past guests uh, that you want some follow up on it, you can uh, ask me questions personally, uh, questions about what goes on off the mic and behind the scenes or any advice you think I might be able to dispense. I'm willing to give that a shot. If you want to just talk about your relationship with the show, I would just like to hear from you all in all these different ways in any way you want. I'm inviting you uh, to uh to go ahead and send that, send these things to me at uh, wtfpod at gmail.com. And if you could get us the questions by the end of the month, that would be good. Anything you want to know, anything you want to say, anything I can maybe tell you, just anything as we head into this big show, the thousandth show. So did I mention that Mandy Moore is here today? What a charming woman. She came with cookies. She came with fucking cookies. And, you know, I'm a little, uh, I've been a little crazy with the diet. And I, it's funny. She brought a box of cookies. I didn't even realize what they were. I just kind of was like, oh, my God, fuck. Yeah, why? But thank you. And then I, after she left, I realized they were Amara cookies, which are healthier. And I put them in the freezer. And uh, got to be honest with you, it, I, I had Mandy Moore on like, it's been a couple weeks and I only ate uh, two of them and they and just, you know, not even the day of. I put them in the freezer, as I said. And then what you do is you stick them in the warming oven. Just put an oven like a, the little oven on warm, put them in there for five minutes. And it's like they're fresh out of the oven. And I ate those fuckers. The weird thing is that, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm eating so clean. I ate one cookie the next day. I felt like I had four beers. I was hungover. Is that, is that a thing that happens? Kind of fucked me up a little bit. A little bit. So Buster Kitten, as you know, the last you heard, unless you're on Twitter, you, you know, he was in the hospital and it was not looking great. He had the kidney failure. And then I ended up getting an ultrasound and then I ended up getting a cancer test. The day of both of those things, his numbers had come down a lot. But the vet that I went to, she was like, um, yeah, these numbers, they came down, but don't get excited. Uh, it's probably just the fluids. I don't know. So we did these other tests, but it just like was just a bummer. And I was going to leave him there for two, two more nights. 
because I don't give a fuck about money, apparently, because I love this little cat and I don't have kids. I don't have a wife. I don't have debt and I'm not a big spender. So we're going to save little fucking Buster if we can. That's the way this is going to work. So the next day, just, you know, I locked into this idea that she was just basically telling me that there's no hope for this cat. And I and I thought I'd been in denial. You know, I was in one of the stages of grief. So that you know, the day, the morning of the ultrasound, and and ultimately the uh, genetic cancer test, she calls and she's like, um, "These numbers are they're almost normal now." I don't know, and I'm like, "Well, what do you mean? Like, I don't know. Uh, they're they're almost normal. We're gonna let him out today, and he doesn't have cancer." So I brought him home. I went down there. I picked him up. I brought him home. I've got kidney food for him, and I've got um, subcutaneous fluids. I have to uh, skin pop my cat. I got I got to shoot up my cat in the morning. I got to get get him an IV drip going into him for a little bit of water, fluids. So that was a new experience. See, we're learning new things. I I can you know it's funny when you have to do something you've never done like that before, and you got to stick a needle into a cat and sit there with it while this fluid drips in. I had to get in the right mindset. I'm more like, it's weird uh, what I learn about my brain is that like, I, I do prepare. You know, I, I may not write things down, but in my mind, I'm like, okay, you know, get a plan. How, you know, you, you know how to do this. You were shown how to do this. Just do it. Be confident about it. Uh, be, you know, be present and do it. And, that, you know, and that's sort of like, I do that a lot and I don't really realize it. I don't know if that's preparedness, but, but like, I got to get myself psyched up. I guess everybody does where I'm like, you know, don't doubt yourself. Just do it. Just put the needle in. If if something fucks up, it fucks up. You're not going to kill the cat unless, you know, you do something <laughs> insanely stupid, like jam it into his skull. So I gave him the fluids, but he's eating like mad because he hasn't eaten in days and he's 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 very excited and happy and rubbing his head on everything and purring. And again, by the time you hear this, a lot of days will have gone by, but this is what's happening. So this is where you're checking in. And I don't know what's going to happen. Hopefully, progress will continue. And, uh, you know, that's good news. I really thought he was a goner. I'd really got it into my head that I was going to have to put him down or I was going to bring him home and he was going to be incredibly compromised. Now, granted, this is only, you know, day one of him being home. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic. So the Buster uh, emergency situation has been downgraded now to an arc. <laughs> Fucking... But either way, it's it's just interesting with veterinarians and with regular doctors, how much they don't know and, you know, what any one animal is going to do, human or non-human. And just that, you know, we, we don't know if it was a toxic thing or infection, but I guess what it isn't, it seems, is chronic renal failure. Not today. Not today. And, you know, what's ironic is that Mandy Moore and myself, we start right at the beginning of our conversation. We're talking about cats and it was two weeks ago. And I was talking about, we were talking about dead dying cats. I was talking about, you know, having to deal with the, the inevitability of my old cats going, but I was like, but I got this new guy. He's only two and he'll be around for a while. And then fucking ironically, he's still around, but you know, he's the one who got sick, but he's okay. He's okay. As of this recording, whoo, man, I got to pee. Is that a, I'll just hold it. So, okay, this is uh, something you need to know. Um, on a lighter note, I, uh, okay, so I've been listening to a little bit of Steely Dan, and we've covered it. 
All right. You know, some guy said I was going to be cursed and I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure there wasn't a message in that. Like, as I told you, and some of you know, like for years, I was just sort of like, Steely Dan, annoying. People like Steely Dan, annoying, you know, just boring, sterile, soulless or whatever. But then a couple of weeks ago, as I talked about here on the podcast, um, I, uh, I, I took, turned a corner because I heard it in a different way. But then I kind of got like, then I was like, I got to listen to all of it. So I listened to all of it and I like it. And the songs that I remember uh, liking from, you know, just hearing them constantly, I, you know, they, they took a different life uh, in my mind a little bit, but like, again, I like it. I get it. I like it. Not crazy about it, but here's the fucking problem. It's, it's like, okay, how do I say this? Steely Dan in my head, I believe, is starting to feed on the other music I enjoy in my head. I think it's got a viral component to it. I think it's, it's, it's parasitical. Steely Dan in your head is like a parasite that eats the other music that you like. Because all of a sudden, all the songs that are stuck in my head are Steely Dan songs. And if I want to listen to like, I want to listen to some Stooges and I got a Steely Dan song in my head. It's not that I'm going to, to listen to, this, to Steely Dan, but I think it's, I think the music that I put in my head already is starting to feed on some of my other feelings about other music. And I got to put a stop to that. I have to get some anti-Dan going. I've got to, it, there's got to be some sort of um, vaccination. So now I've got to put together a Steely Dan disease vaccination um, song list in order to, to sort of balance my brain and perhaps cleanse it from the viral nature of Steely Dan music. So that said, that was the, this is the, the price I'm paying for finally learning how to appreciate Steely Dan at this age. Maybe if I was younger, this tragedy wouldn't have happened. But because I was older and I dumped it all into my head at once, something bad is happening up there. But I think I have the remedy for it. I have, I have plenty of music to start pushing back as an antiviral against the Steely Dan fucking earworms that I've unleashed in my head. Oh. I'll be all right. So Mandy Moore was lovely. She was one of these people that came over and right away I'm like, oh, I am in the presence of a star. She's just got that charisma where you're kind of like, I'm sitting across from a special person. Yeah. And she brought cookies. So I don't know, maybe they're connected. But again, uh, we did start talking about cats. And the irony is, is that, uh, you know, Buster was the, the guy I was like, you know, that guy is going to be great. And he he got sick, but he's better. He's better today. Mandy, of course, is on the show This Is Us. Uh, it airs Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern on NBC. And this is me talking to her. I don't think he lasted that long. I think Butch only made it two years. But we cut, But it, we, we knew he had symptoms. Like he started walking like really close to the floor and like, like fucked up. Really? Yeah, and so we brought it in, got x-rayed, and the guy told us that he it had a large heart, hmm. but it, he said it wasn't going to live long. Like, he didn't... Oh, yeah. See, our vet, we, she had been having some sort of health issues, but it was related to, like, she didn't, like, an inflamed colon or something. Ooh. It was, like, a gastro right. issue. Right, And when we took her to, like, 50 different vets, and she had series after series of tests. Yeah. And then the last vet we brought her to, 
you know, did an x-ray yeah. and said, do you know she has an enlarged heart? It's nothing to worry about. Come back in a year and we'll check on it. But this thing, it's like it's catastrophic when it happens. It's like someone having a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like he just died. She just, well, we brought she her did. into the vet, but I mean, I was sitting in the back with her holding her and I could just oh, tell like there's, how do you come back from that? Shit. I was like, does she, like, I'm not sure she'll ever be able to walk again. It was incredibly traumatic it's 11 o'clock the day before we got married oh my god sobbing all night for the cat for the cat i mean you know it's they're part of your family you know it's weird i've had the two i have are like 15 almost so i've had the longest relationships i've had with any living thing other than parents and uh they're they're healthy but i know at some point i mean they're 15 that little guy buster he's like two and something you know yeah. Two years. He just showed up <laughs> at the old house. Sure. I used to live in Highland Park. Yeah. Like I lived by, like you're you're married to the Dawes guy? Yeah. What's his name? Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. Well, that's nice. Yeah. A rock you, guy. I... <laughs> so you know Austin, the amp guy? Oh, yes. I know Austin. Yes, I've met him. Austin lived around the corner from me and he fixed this amp for me. It took, it took many months for Austin to chase down the buzzes in this amp. And I guess I met Austin... Through Blake, like I'm not a oh through Blake Mills yeah. right, yeah. but I'm not a real you know musician guy. But I just happen to meet these guys because yeah, they come on the show. Yeah, sure. and then Blake's sort of like, no, I got an amp guy. I'm like, no, nah, it's a little high end for me. You know, I just and then <laughs> and but I, I it's too bad you don't know Austin well because I don't know if he remembers your husband's band uses those projector amps that Austin makes. Sure. You probably know way more than I do. Well, it, it looks like a film projector. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, and, and, yeah. Because it, it, it's from an old. Doesn't matter. I, I for <laughs> for some reason I have Austin's prototype projector amp that he built with his dad. I have it still because he told me that, to just hold on to it because he wanted me to try it years ago. And then he didn't. He wanted me to hold on to it so he wouldn't sell it, and I still have it. You do. I don't know if he remembers. It doesn't matter. Well, so. maybe he'll listen to this and so, <laughs> call you to ask for it. I, I never. I don't use it. <laughs> maybe he will. So you're uh, you're married to a rock guy. I'm married to a rock guy. Yeah. The second rock guy. <laughs> the second rock guy. <laughs> Clearly, I'm a glutton for punishment or I have a type. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I okay. We don't have to start there. <laughs> I'm trying to- uh, I thought we'd ease into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, well, t- I tried to get uh, caught up on This Is Us, but I just bounced around a lot. Yeah. And uh, I, it does- um, Something tells me it's not your type of show. No, but the thing is, it it could it is kind of <laughs> really. Yeah, because like I like to cry. Uh, I don't necessarily want to uh, to be public about it. Sure, <laughs> I understand. But I found that even jumping around, that uh, it seems like every five minutes in that show you can cry if necessary. If you want to, but it's, it's if you de- feel compelled to. It's designed like that, I think. To make I mean, them. it's designed to like, yeah, tap into the human condition and what makes us tick. So, yeah, and at any given moment, I'm starting to cry just now. I'm just know. now, just I know. listening but to you talk. Tears are just sort of right below <laughs> they, the surface they for are. me at all times. Are they? Yeah. For you too. I yeah. Yeah. I feel like the older I get, for sure. What is that? Why are we? <laughs> is it good? <laughs> I'll lean into <laughs> it. Why not? Just getting choked up all <laughs> <Yeah>. the time. <laughs> so, yeah. what now? You didn't grow up here. I grew up in Florida. Oh, my God. I know. I'm sorry. It's a weird place to grow up. It's a weird place for anything. Yeah. So how did you get to Florida? Do you start in Florida? Yeah. I was I, I was actually born in New Hampshire, but both my parents are from Orlando. Oh, like, New, New Hampshire's nice. New Hampshire's beautiful, but I was there for six weeks. 
That's and my it? parents moved down to they Florida. They just ran away to have you? They didn't want anyone to know, so they were in New Hampshire? <laughs> it was too cold for them. Oh, really? They couldn't hack it. So they moved there and they just left? After... My dad is a pilot for American Airlines. Still? Mm-hmm. Really? I'm, I bet you I've been on this plane. I bet you have. I'm, I'm very- Captain Moore. I'm going to remember that. I, yeah. I, uh, I'm I very loyal to American Airlines. So am I. Yeah. I, I have I, to be. It's I, like he would have a prerequisite. To be. Well, you probably get a, a little bit of a break, I would imagine. Not unless I want to fly standby. Oh. And who has time for that? No, no, no. no, no. You got to get where you're going. Mandy Moore can't be standing there like watching <laughs> other people that. get it's on. It's not just <laughs> you <laughs> need to get where you're going. <laughs> I, I understand, but it but would be a little But as kids, awkward. oh my God, we flew standby and flew first class if it was available. Yeah. It was. You, go, you guys were special. We, well, we what felt if, special. Well, what if what if your dad's actually flying the plane? Could, I've you, never flown on the plane with my dad before. You never did the cockpit thing. Mm-mm. How could you pass up? He never offered. Just when we were growing up, he flew a lot to like South and Latin America, and there was really no need for us to go on like any family vacations. <laughs> you down weren't there. a drug mule back <laughs> when you were a kid. Not as a child, no. <laughs> um, but now he flies mostly to London and Tokyo. So out of LA. did he start in the Air Force? No. He was just a civilian pilot always. Wow, mm-hmm. that's a. I, I think that's a pretty. Uh, it's, there's something unique and special about that job. There, there are yeah. these. There are these weird, kind of. Uh, they're national heroes that aren't identified with an ideology. There's something heroic <laughs> about just being a commercial air pilot, where you're like, you know. Yes, sir. But it's not. I will pass that on to him. I'll yeah, he's so happy to hear that. But it's not tied to like it's like uh, they get. They, it's they have no affiliation. Right, yeah, right. So there's no reason to hate commercial air pilots or, or <laughs> be judgmental of their cause. Sure. They're just trying to get people there safely. Yeah. Yeah, no, tell them thanks. I, I will. I don't <laughs> Thanks for your service. <laughs> what's, what's your mom do? My mom was just mom. Yeah? Do you yeah. got brothers and sisters? I have an older and a younger brother. How are they doing? They're good. Yeah? They're out here. Oh, yeah? yeah. Trying their hand at the thing? Behind the scenes. <laughs> oh, yeah? Like gaffing or what, <laughs> in, ADing? In, in production coordination, actually. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's the grunts on the ground. They're running. Grunts on I'm the sorry, ground. I just watched a Vietnam episode, so my. Uh, Wait, are you watching the uh, the um, Ken Burns? Well, I already watched that. Oh, no, oh watching you were watching this the is This Is Us. Oh, yeah, God. I was just in Vietnam earlier today. Oh, good gracious. Yeah, so I'm using the word grunts, and you know, kind of. You know, there's the a lot of military things yeah, absolutely. going. Absolutely. Just I just declared your father a national hero for being a commercial <laughs> air pilot. So, like, tell me about surviving Florida because look, I. Uh, my mother's down there. You know, I have grown to appreciate Florida more, but it's it's a freak show, and I don't know about it that far down. Like I don't uh, either. Uh, Orlando. I try to know as little as possible. Wait, was she? She's in northern Florida or no? Southern Wait, I don't Florida. know. So I don't know. I, now I don't know Florida. We're, we're in the she, central part of the state. Right. No, she's down by. She's in Hollywood. No, she's Got not it. up in Tallahassee. Yeah. My Jewish mom, <laughs> ja- Jacksonville. Just. <laughs> <laughs> like making do in Jacksonville. She decided to retire to Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> um, Florida's odd. I always tell people like any bizarre story always has some Florida connection. Yeah. But I mean, I grew up in a very, I grew up like 20 minutes north of Orlando. So just a very boring, normal suburban yeah. childhood. Is that by the- um, The park? Yeah. Mm, like it's even about 40 minutes north of that. Wow. Yeah. Did you see the, uh, did you see that movie? The, uh, uh, oh, the Florida Project? Yeah. I didn't. I know Oof. everyone told me I need to see rough. it. A little rough. You didn't you, you watch it? No. I have, to, I have to do that. All right, so you're just in Florida. You got an older and younger brother. Yes. But they're out here doing what, production work, you mm-hmm. said? Yep. And you get along with them? I do. They're at the house occasionally? Yeah. Do they like Dawes? <laughs> they do like Dawes. <laughs> do they like Dawes more than they like uh, Ryan Adams? <laughs> <laughs> 
Everyone does. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone in my life. <laughs> uh, yeah. But how do you, uh, like, what is it? Because that era that you came up in, in terms of how, you know, in what you came up in the singing thing, how does that start, you know, in Florida? How do you become a pop I mean, sensation? Just by from... chance. Really? I, yeah. I was like a, a dorky theater kid. I well, in high school or before? No, no, as like a kid, like eight, nine, ten. So you'd go, you'd do plays, mm-hmm. in... like local community theater. Oh yeah, yeah. And I love, like, no one in my family sings or yeah. acts or is remotely artistic at all. I don't know where it came from. You just needed it. I needed it. I did. <laughs> yeah. I did like so much so that the Orlando Sentinel, the local paper, every Friday would have an audition hotline yeah. with all of the auditions coming up the next week. And I would listen every Friday before school and see if there was anything for anyone my age, like all across town. Really? And my parents were so wonderful because they would schlep me yeah. from audition to audition, like, you know, far out, like yeah. outside of our our little area. <laughs> were there ever situations where... You'd be going to an audition and your mom would be like, I don't know about this place. Kind of. <laughs> it's an hour away, Mandy. This, it's this, too far. This doesn't seem like a real theater operation. <laughs> what, who's that guy? No, no, we're not going here. But I did a ton of that until um, I went to an Orlando Magic game and saw a little girl my age sing the national anthem. How old are we talking? 12. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea that was even in the realm of possibility. That that was a, a career trajectory. That, that was, was a career option. trajectory. Yeah. 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 For a 12-year-old. I can sing the National so Anthem at a Sentinel I game. begged my parents yeah. to um, to put me on tape and send in like an audition to the Magic, and they did, and I got chosen. And from there, I sang for the, the Magic game, and then, I don't know, I got sort of put into some sort of National Pool. Anthem circuit, mm-hmm. where I then sang for every other sports team that played in that same arena. Right. So I played for the... I, I sang for the Jackals, which I think was the arena football team. So you were the anthem, hockey. the anthem kid. I was the little anthem kid. And I was singing. I remember I was 13. I was yeah. singing at the uh, ice hockey game. And my dad was sitting in like the goalie box or whatever, the penalty box. Yeah. And I'm walking back after I sang. I had my little pitch pipe. Yeah. And these two guys, like bizarre men, mm. beckoned me over. And my dad's with me in Florida, in Orlando. And they asked me if I've ever um, recorded in a recording studio before. Two guys. Two guys. Uh Uh-huh. And... And they say, we'd love to like, we have some songs that we've written and we'd love to have you sing them. to Young guys? Mm, Yeah, like in their 30s. Right, right. Um, And my parents were like, if you want to do that, if you want to spend some of your own money that you've made, like doing national commercials. Yeah, do the commercials in the anthem gig. Yeah. You did some national commercials too? I did, I did. I did a Kmart commercial. Oh. And a bunch of stuff for like the theme parks. Nothing super big. Nationals? Mm Mm-hmm. So you're making some money. I mean, not 12. a ton of money, but Kmart, yeah. yeah. But enough to go See. sustain myself recording in some yeah bizarre studio on the outskirts of Orlando. Oh yeah. So how did so your parents? So then, said so I'm okay. in. My parents said okay. I'm in the studio recording. Would they drive you over there? They sitting there with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're they're 12. there with All me. Right. Mom and dad are there the with whole the time with the weird guys. With the weird guys. Yeah. I know. It's looking back now. It's so sketchy. At but, the time, it was like, this is how this happens. It, it, it kind of is, though. Kind of. I well, mean, the record industry is not known for its, like, you know, uh, decency. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in the studio, and this guy who works for FedEx has a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend who's the head of Urban A&R, as they called it, at Epic Records in New York. That's big. Yeah. And this guy, guy, this FedEx guy somehow maneuvers it up the chain 
and it gets to this this gentleman in New York. Just out of out of his uh, the appreci- goodness of his heart. I I mean, clearly, I'm sure there was. Um, he was looking to like be a talent scout or you know get out find a new gig for himself. Did, did you give him a Christmas present? They or? they they definitely took care of him. <laughs> okay. Um, and so, uh, this this guy flew down to Orlando from Epic Records and A and R guy. A and R guy. And yeah. I sang a song from a musical for him. Which musical? Once upon a mattress. Ah. I don't even. I just knew this one song from the show. And he belted it I out. I belted it out for him. I was 14 at the time. Yeah. I had just started my freshman year of high school. Yeah. And he, I, I don't know how, but like heard something he liked. And I signed with him and I left school just after Christmas break and, and as, started as making my freshman. first- As a freshman. And you went to New York? I went to New York and started making my first record. The, yeah, the, what's it called? The uh, So real. So, you were I so believe. real. I was so real. It was deep sh- stuff. Deep man. shit at fifteen. <laughs> this was nineteen ninety nine. I mean, come on. No, I know. Yeah. I no, no. I I see, but it's sort of fascinating to me that you, you know you you have this fund you know this fundamental talent, both as a, a, a actor and as a a singer. That's kind of you to put it that way. I don't know if that was really the case. No, of course it was the case. I mean, you were running around doing this stuff, and you know, you you were charming enough to get these gigs. You weren't; they weren't laughing at you at the national anthem. You were you were doing the job, or you I wouldn't guess. have gotten the job. I guess. I guess you, you weren't some freak kid, you know. Sure. <laughs> like you know. Sure, but you know, but I my, think you give people the benefit of the doubt when they're twelve, thirteen years old and singing. Right, the but the anthem. benefit of the doubt is one thing. But yeah. from a guy to fly down from New York and decide, like, no, nah, this kid. Now that epic A and R guy was he like old school or just another young thirty something? He was a young guy. He actually his big claim to fame was he had signed the Backstreet Boys oh. when they were at Jive Records, and he had just moved to Epic. And I think I was one of the first acts that he signed. Now I uh, unfortunately I was a, a sort of a, I think a grown man kind <laughs> sure. of by the time all this happened. Yeah. So it wasn't I get, your cup of tea. No, yeah. I, I get I get them, a lot of them confused. I missed most things. Yeah, I missed I I missed almost everything. I don't know why, but sure. I did. But but my question though is that so you go up to New York and you're doing this thing. Now were you just they were obviously someone had an idea of how you fit into the whole. Yeah, this was sort of I was on the cusp of Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. Like they had just come out and were just sort of like racing to the top of. Were the you charts. fans of them? I, to be quite honest, I didn't, it was so new. Like, you know, I was, I was my label's answer to those, those girls. But they, they they decided that though. They decided that. I didn't know. So it was hard to even like to be fans of them at that point because they were just sort of like coming out. And they were like kids too, right? They were kids too. Like 15, 16? They were slightly older than me. Like three or four years older One of them, weren't they Mouseketeers or something? Mm -hmm. Both of them? They both were. Yeah. Huh. And people assume that I was as well just because of the Orlando connection. Another Mouseketeer. Another they Mouseketeer. Found, they found her at the park <laughs> and down there. Disney's just churning them out. Yep. So you, you just like singing the songs. You weren't writing the songs. They were writing yeah. the songs for you. But mm-hmm. they, they, they wanted you to be this sort of cute, sexualized, you, you I know, think 15 the difference between myself and, and my contemporaries, I guess, is... Honestly, yeah. I never had someone telling me that I needed to like no one made decisions for me. Uh-huh. No one tried to hypersexualize my image or yeah. even the music that I was singing. I mean, obviously, at that point in time I I had probably like 
French kissed a boy, but yeah. I hadn't done anything else. So right. I certainly didn't know everything yeah. that I was singing about. But no one like <laughs> but, no one made me dress in a way that made me feel uncomfortable. Like I, I still felt very much in control of the image that I was projecting, yeah. the way I answered questions, like Right. So if they suggested something, you would be like, okay. Yeah, but in the sense that like did like did you choose your clothes? And yeah. Like, but they presented it to you, mm-hmm. right? Right. I mean, there was like a stylist there with a rack of clothes in yeah, the yeah. same way that that sort sure, of exists sure. today. But yeah. I still felt very much in control of making my own decisions. And that first album had like one hit. It did. Candy. Candy. Yeah. yeah. And then and what happens when that happens? So you're 15 now. That people that are like you know going crazy for candy are little girls. Yeah. Mostly so, little girls. Okay, so girls now my you, age, right? Younger, and they're all excited. Mm-hmm. So they, when they see you on the street, they're excited, and they're. I don't know if I had that sort of recognition. Did it have a video presence? Yes. It, yeah. Yeah, it was still in the the heyday hey of, of MTV. MTV, and and very quickly, actually, the the record came out in '99. Yeah. Um, and that same year, at the end of the year, I signed a contract with MTV to become an MTV VJ. So I was also on the channel. As a VJ, like yeah. helping TRL when Carson wasn't there, and I mean, Carson Daly, Carson Daly, I mean, that it was guy, like a completely different world. He just never, like, he never really changes much, and he never goes away. It's just sort <laughs> He's of like still out there doing. Yeah, you just you turn the TV on, and you're like, is that Carson Daly? Yeah. What time is it? Two thirty in the morning. He's got a show at two thirty. Where now he's on what the Today Show? Or he's what on the it? Today Show. I know. I, I he finally landed him. in more in daytime. Yeah, I know. But then I think he still has his own show, like you said, at two in the morning as well. But that show, like I did it once and he wasn't even there. I remember like they used to do these, record these out of studio interviews. It was a time where they'd sort of fold stuff in. It was and it was his really late show. It wasn't the one where he was just doing a straight up talk show. Uh-huh. There were segments. Yeah. And I knew I was going to be on the Carson Daly show, but like someone interviewed me in a bar or something. Wow. And then it just showed up there. I'm like, I don't get to meet Carson? How is this that? <laughs> Only so much time in the day for him, Mark. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> so you're he's on MTV at that time. Yes. And who are the other cats on MTV? It's you and oh gosh, Dave Holmes and mm. um, I believe Ananda was another. Tyrese was a was a VJ at one point. Oh yeah, was I it, mean it was. Was he in Baby Boy? Was that yes? Kind of, God yes. damn, I love that movie. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie. Oh, you gotta watch that movie. Huh. It's a great movie. Okay. It's a it's Singleton. You know, it's John. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Boys in the Hood guy. Yeah, I love that movie. So it's you guys. You're all VJs. You're, yeah. There's I like mean, at that point, there's like what twelve videos in rotation, or it's more than that. Probably okay. more than that. <laughs> yeah. But it was back like during the heyday of MTV too, where they had like MTV Spring Break, MTV like Snowed In, where I know, we were yeah. in Big Bear, and like John Stewart used to host Spring Break. At, really? He did. And oh, that was before my time. I, I was. That was my of, only Spring Break experience. So by the way, and yeah. as a 15 and 16 year old with like drunk yeah. college guys leering at you, yeah, not a n- not a good scene. That's a that's a part of America that never changes. Never drunk college guys leering at girls, <laughs> teenage yeah, girls, teenage yeah. girls. But but what? But did you ever have to at that time? Were you just excited? Were you just happy yeah. to be part of it? And absolutely. And was there a, com- a competitive nature between you and? Not at all. I mean, first of all, they had such tremendous success. Yeah. Comparatively, I was. I'm. I'm sure they didn't even know my name. They probably didn't even know I existed. So did you feel shitty? No, not no. at all. I felt, st- and I still feel like incredibly grateful to yeah. have had those opportunities and. Yeah. 
I mean, here I am at 34, still having some semblance of a career thanks to that. So, no. And I always knew, like, look, I am not a performer like they are. Did you they stop gone... aging at some point? Did you just stop? I mean, like, you're, Me? I, yeah. Like, I mean, you're at 34, but I feel like I've known about you my entire life. And you're just, I'm getting older and you're staying the same. <laughs> How does that happen? I don't know. No, no. <laughs> that's, that's certainly not the case. 34. But I mean, I've been doing this since I was 16, that's 15. It. So it's, it's pretty mind blowing. But, but so were you an MTV personality when you did the second record? Yes. So it was all tied together. Like, and you you never felt any weirdness from the record. Like, you it didn't get ugly. No. In what way? What do you mean? It just feels like there would be a lot of pressure. Like, you know, you're like this. Like, I, it's hard for me not to see um, younger people who get involved in the record business as products and being pushed a certain way. I mean, I suppose there was some of that going on, but. I didn't feel wholly aware of it. You were it. just excited. I was so excited for the opportunity. And it was so overwhelming in a way yeah. that I just kept taking it day by day and not trying to look at like the bigger picture of it all. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know what I was doing. Right. So there was no... And you know, being a young person, it's yeah. like to have all of that on my plate now mm. would, would give me anxiety. It would freak me out. Right. But as a young person, I was just like, I'd go open up for the Backstreet Boys in front of like 20,000 people and all these glow sticks and just the roar of the crowd and I wouldn't think anything of it. Now, now I would have I would shit my pants like, you know, I yeah. couldn't do it. You were just sort of locked in. I was so locked and in. And it's time to go out and sing. Yeah. yeah, and I had my backup dancers. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing, but I just like I was in it. I were was you so dancing? present. Uh, ish trying to really you're, the you're record not... label noticed really early on like okay so she's not a dancer <laughs> just, just, i did one music video the candy video where i'm like trying to dance and uh -oh. it's horrendous oh, and no. i think after that they realized like not her strong suit. you should just sing <laughs> just like hold the microphone stand oh uh, so sing. that's why you're like you're not like like uh, yeah, I Brittany. wasn't Britney or Christina. They yeah, were yeah. they were real performers in in every sense of the word. So, but the Backstreet Boys, those are the Boston guys, right? Um, that's New Kids on the Block. Oh damn it! Were they they were earlier? They were an earlier incarnation of the boy band. Yes. Oh, so the Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys in sync. They came after them. Then they aren't they trying to come back or something? Backstreet's still. I think they're, they're like still in Vegas it? doing a residency or something. Yeah. They're still doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Is that good or? <laughs> Why not? I guess so. Right? Uh, yeah. I did. Uh, don't you wonder who goes? Are they? The, are they the teenage girls that were? That are there? all grown up now. Yeah. Yeah. They're, and they're what they probably forties. Yeah. 30s. But I feel like I have the same fan base in a way, or at least like young women that were that sort of like grew up with me. Well, no, that are for now sure. like young moms and stuff. For sure. I guess there's sort of that nostalgia quotient too for for people with those kinds of bands. You but know? you don't, do you, well, yeah, I, I think for any band, mm -hmm. like I, I think that any band that made an impact on somebody when they were like 13 or 14, sure. it's, it's lodged in there. Yeah. And you kind of want to go back because it seems like as you get older, there's some party that's always yearning to sort of like, I wonder, you know, if I can, you know. Tap back get, into that. Yeah, yeah, get in touch with that person. What happened to that person? <laughs> um, but you don't, but you're not doing no nostalgia shows, do you? No, no, no. I haven't done music in a while. I'm getting right. back to it, though. Are you? Mm hmm Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. We did, we did, hmm. You, did, you did a little of that. <laughs> <laughs> you got a band? Do you know any musicians? Just a few. 
<laughs> but you sang on the show. I do. Yeah. I sing on the show. Yeah, yeah, that's part of that's a backstory of your life in the show too, which was unknown to me when I auditioned. I Did think they it, know though? I always wonder how much they know when they start writing these shows because I've been on a couple, and, and the ones I'm on, they don't, I don't I don't get the sense that they know from season to season what the next season's going to look like, but. I, Something like This Is Us looks like they've got it mapped they out. Have for it, the next... he, he absolutely has it mapped out until the end. I think once I got the part, yeah. he decided to sort of add that into her backstory because we had worked together on that Disney movie Tangled, Dan uh-huh. Fogelman, who created this. You're is Rapunzel. Us. I'm Rapunzel. <laughs> and so he knew that I sang because of that, that film mm-hmm. and that experience together. So I think that maybe factored in yeah. for the backstory. He, he knew that you were a singer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he knew I could carry a tune ish. So, okay, so now you do the second record. Yes. Any hits? Yeah, there was a, <laughs> there was a song called I Want to Be With You that was in sort of a teen dance romantic movie called yeah. Center Stage, I think. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, that, was, that was a moderate, mediocre sort of hit. It's a beautiful song. Yeah. And I loved it, and I felt way more connected to the style yeah. and the fact that it felt like a little bit more organic and there was no need for me to even try to dance to yeah. a song like that. So right. um, I really, I enjoyed putting that record out. It did have some snappy kind of uh, Middle Eastern grooves. Oh yeah, yeah it did, it did. That <laughs> I, was not I, my choice, that was a record label push. I, I listened to some of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't really stand the test of time. Of course it does. It were. What do you mean? Mm. What's the test of time? I mean, you can still go like, oh, yeah, this is fun. <laughs> this I mean, is wait, so 2001. Wait, well, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's still like, you know, you can dance to it and it's happy music. I mean, I don't think anyone, you know. I don't, look, I don't, I don't begrudge it. I don't begrudge like the opportunities that it brought me, but yeah. I can't say that I feel truly connected to any of that because I didn't have any real say creatively in the music. Like I was always allowed mm. to be myself. Yeah. When it came to making those decisions, but musically, that's when you have the whole conglomerate of an entire machine of a record label behind you. Right. They know what's selling. They know what the kids like. They know what has international market. Sure. Or they're trying to sort of do something that's a little off the beaten path and and start a trend themselves. And they're like, go down to Miami and work with Emilio Estevan or whatever. I'm like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Here's what you do. They're going to be doing this. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And there's all kinds of drums behind you. Exactly. <laughs> Here's what the demo singer is yeah. doing. Copy her. Right. Yeah. And you do it. And you do it. When did you get the first uh, acting gig as a grown or Kind grown? of right around that time. Um, when I was 16, I uh, auditioned for the Gary Marshall movie, The Princess Diaries. That was a big movie. It was for, a big movie. That was like uh, the little girls again. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was it was Anne Hathaway. I it love was her. Julie Andrews. Yeah. She's amazing. Do you know that I love her though? Do you? Yeah, I do. You love love her? I, I kind of do. She has that effect on people. But then like She's I very impressive. Her. Well, I interviewed her and and it, I kept it together. Good going. Thank you. So it's you and Anne Hathaway. I'm sorry, did And that, Julie Andrews. Uh, yes. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. You Julie got to work Andrews. with Julie Andrews. I did. But there was no singing in that movie, was there? Um, not for me. I, a little bit for me. Was it fun working with Julie Andrews? I mean, I didn't really get to work with her, but I was around her on set oh, a couple times. Well, that's but, something. I mean, yeah, she is, she's Mary Poppins. So, but that was, uh, uh, elevated your recognition factor, I'd imagine? I guess so. It was like my first experience in a really professional setting, dipping my toe into the acting world. Yeah. And I realized that I really loved it. Yeah. And, um... 
I sort of started putting myself out there and auditioning for other roles. Yeah. And and then the next thing that came up was uh, my next gig, I guess, was A Walk to Remember. And that was sort of the, the biggest one. Yeah. To date. And who is in that? Um, an actor by the name to, of Shane West. Was, to date, that was your biggest movie? In kind terms of, yeah. Of, and how it did, you mean? Um, or in terms of I what? I think sort of the, the relevance lead, of the film. Right. Like, besides This Is Us, yeah. it's the thing that people mention most to me in no my day-to-day life and out there in the world. Oh, well, now I've got to, I didn't, I have to watch no, it. No, no, you don't. I like Peter Coyote. Peter Coyote played my father. Yeah. It's, it's a, a sort of weepy teen romance movie. It's Do you, not Does anyone not die at the you. end? Yeah. Are you serious? Spoiler alert, yeah. Do you? I die. You die at the end of- I die at the end. See, now I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> my whole career is just based on making people cry, I've realized. It comes full circle. <laughs> that's heavy, It's all though. I'm good for. So that's like a love story for teenagers. It kind of was, yeah. What'd you die of? Leukemia. It is love story. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So that's what people remember because it that's like what people remember. It fucked their little teenage brains. Yeah. They they you introduced them to grief. Yeah, it did. <laughs> <laughs> their first experience crying in a movie theater. It was you. It was me. Oh. Sorry. But like grown ladies come up to you and you're like, you know, that movie was really... still. Oh. Yeah. It's I mean, I'm I'm so flattered to be a part of something that still has that sort of resonance with people. Well, it's never gonna yeah, it's it's down in there. It's down but now there. but now with Ingrained. this is us, it's like every week you have that resonance with people. I guess, I hope. You don't have to, you don't die No, no. Okay, good. That would be my husband. Yeah. Well he's already dead, right? Yeah. How did he die? He dies of a heart attack from smoke inhalation. Oh right, because he ran in to save the dog. Yeah. Right, I heard. I got some. I, I was told you got some, some stuff. insider information. My girlfriend's a, a secret fan of the show. <gasps> really? Yeah, and she like uh, she. I don't know why. Like people, there are certain types of people that I, I for some reason don't want to cop. To you know, <laughs> I understand. To, I don't really. I mean, it's like why not? You know what I mean? It's it's everyone likes it because for a reason. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's bad. It's not like a comedy. It's no like no way. A, I'm really proud of it. You should be. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, didn't you get involved in some Twitter mistake I made with the, the with the big guy on the show who? Oh, Chris Sullivan. <laughs> you like mistook him for, for someone else. He was mistake? like so excited that you maybe recognized him. Well, I, I felt bad because the other dude too, the guy who plays the Manny, what's his name? Uh, Justin. Justin recognized yeah. me at the last SAG Awards yeah. too, and like I because I didn't watch the show, I felt bad. But you know, he was like, "Hey, and, okay. like, and well, now I know. Like now I can have some. Now yeah. you have a point of reference. I do, yeah, yeah, and I and I feel better about it. But yeah, but that was the De Niro thing where we were yes. both trying to act like we were just being casual and not <laughs> waiting, waiting. For him to finish his conversation. <laughs> it was ridiculous. That's what you do with those shows, though. I mean, it is your opportunity to go up and. Talk to people that you're fans of. But you've of. been an actor forever. I've just been a guy that some people have gone to their, they, people have come to my house and sat in my garage and now I'm all of a sudden an actor guy and it was really odd for me the first time. I'm year nervous being here. You are? Yeah. Why? Because I am, because I listen to your show and I'm, I'm, I never thought that I would be in this seat. So you listened to that Ryan Adams? I did. <laughs> I had to, I had to. Just to see if you can if if he was going to say something bad. No, no, no. Oh. I just was curious, like what he was going to say. What I get out of him, I did all right for being. You did. Yeah, it's hard I've, to wrangle. I've actually, hard to wrangle. No, I've, I've actually not. Usually, you're the one that talks more than you know the person you're interviewing, and that wasn't the case there. Excuse me. 
I, it's your show. I mean, you're I, entitled. I, I, you I should take the I lead. I do not think that's always the case. So I you're mean, saying... You're, you're right. It depends. But I would say for the most part, I talk you're, more than you're the chattier guests. than the guests. Sometimes. Well, it's a... It's a... It's a, uh, it's a dance. It's right. It's a dance. It's a, like, and it's also like... It ha- sometimes you have to. Yeah. But no, he just kept going. Yeah. But uh, we're not to Ryan Adams yet. We're still... Oh, we're know. not there yet? Oh, goodness. Okay. What I, I think what I'm really curious about is that there is a point where you say, like, this isn't me, and I, you know, if I want to be a singer, I have to find me. Mm-hmm. Which album was that? The label let me make a covers record called Coverage. Yeah, I was that's, 18. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I got to choose whatever songs I wanted to cover. So, yeah. I mean, I chose Joni Mitchell. I chose yeah. XTC and yeah. Joe Jackson. And I mean, it it was, I knew that we were sort of at the end of our, our um, life together at the label. Oh, and really? It was really How kind do you know of them. That? I owed them one more record. Oh. And I knew that it wasn't a relationship that was going to continue. Why? Because they weren't happy? Because I wasn't really selling records. Oh. And the fact that they let me, an 18-year-old, make a covers record of songs that yeah. people my age had no idea about yeah. kind of indicated, like, it was just sort of their the, a, a last-ditch effort to, like, you know, allow me to sort of fulfill my obligation without any, without the stakes being too high. Yeah. Yeah. And did it sell? It didn't. No. But people, I, I think... I think people liked it and it served a purpose for me creatively. Yeah. I felt like it was a stepping stone in order for me to get to the place where I am now musically. Yeah. You like know. so you were able to, by choosing the songs you were able to that you loved you were able to inhabit them in your truest truest self. Yeah. 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 That's a good way of describing it. Right. And cuz they mean something to you. They mean something to me yeah. and it was a way to honor music that I felt people my age were maybe missing out on. Yeah. But it like it brought me closer to wanting to be a songwriter myself and kind of take grab hold of like I don't know the reins of my own career creatively. Right. But but also at this point thankfully on some level I mean I imagine it has to be kind of devastating that or at least to accept the fact that you know you're not selling can't mm-hmm. feel great. But you're also acting. But I didn't ever really sell. Like, I never made any money from music. I never really found any acclaim. I never went on tour. But a lot of people know who you are. You think it's more from the movies? I I think it's probably more from the acting side of things than, uh-huh. than musically. Uh-huh. Um, I think the music sort of um, was a supplement to what I was doing on the acting side. Yeah. Like, it was a nice balance. Yeah. And music's always what I've been kind of more passionate about. So I was happy to have some semblance of it in my life but i didn't lean on it too heavily thinking like this is my only source of income this is my right. only source of creativity yeah know? so uh, so after coverage you leave what epic yeah i left sony i went to warner brothers for a second and then that didn't work out i started making a record with them and that didn't work out really and then i just went off and like made my own record and like my management company at the time put it out and this was like 2007 wild hope yeah 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 how'd that do um it did okay i think i never really to to be quite honest like i never kept track of stuff i can't find the last record you can't no amanda lee yeah come find it oh man it's not on apple music why is that i don't know it's weird because i was thinking like that's the one it's cool (laughs) it's by far my favorite yeah do you know mike viola do I? I don't you think so. You would love his music. Yeah? 
He's a really good friend of mine, an incredible musician. You should. He put out a, a record last year called The American Egypt. That's will blow your mind. Yeah. But I made my record with him. This is like 2009. Yeah. And uh, I, I felt like that was artistically again it was like i could do, i could like we could do our todd rundgren song we could do our Joni song we could do our mccartney song yeah we could, like we just had so but not covers just style no no stylistically yeah you're a todd rundgren person yeah not like a huge fan it's but a lot there it's a, it's pretty hit or miss for me there's a lot there yeah but it's interesting there's people that i talk to who i know who i respect but i don't necessarily know the whole thing with musicians it's like you might like two records and then they've done 50. Yeah. So you're like, well, how many do I got to listen to? That kind of describes I? my relationship with his music. Right. Yeah. Like Runt, get... something, anything, like, but beyond that, it's a little. But you, yeah, in McCartney, of course. You I love, love Mac- McCartney. How can you not? So yeah. you and Viola did a, a trip where you were conscious of the styles you were yes. trying to sort of touch at. Very much so. I don't know why I couldn't find the record. I think I'll, you should, I'll, I'll get you a copy next you time. You should talk to some people about that. Yeah. So, but. The movies keep happening. Yes. Ish. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I keep saying ish, but uh, they, I would say like 2008 is sort of the year that things sort of, uh, like 2008, 2009 is when I sort of took maybe more of a conscious step back and like slowed down a little bit. I got married in 2009 and that's when things really sort of quieted down for me. Quieted down career-wise? Yes. Personally? Not so much, but 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 um, professionally, yes. And it, that was a conscious decision because I had been going since I was fifteen. And but what was the, what was that? What was your reflection like? I mean, like because you'd done well, you hadn't done Rapunzel, you hadn't done you that did... came like ve- at the beginning of my uh, marriage. I started that oh, in like two thousand and nine. It didn't come out until twenty ten. But right. yeah. So, but like when you're sitting there saying you're ref- you, you know you're taking a break or you're going to reflect a little bit. What what was your feeling about who you were at that point? Um, I think it coincided with a period of growth where I didn't feel understood by the industry and maybe yeah. I didn't understand myself. Yeah. I felt like I kept coming up against a wall of like people see me in one regard. In Which one, was what? One light. Um, I think the roles that I was getting offered or that people sort of tended to think of me for were, you know, the the girl next door, which is yeah. lovely and is very much a facet of my personality. But I was frustrated that that people were closed-minded and couldn't sort of see me as anything but that. You wanted to challenge yourself? Yeah. What were you looking to do, though? Do you anything. Want... Anything left of center. I, I mean, like... Drug I, addicts. Sure. Uh, all of it. Uh, all of it. Uh, corporate... Uh, uh, leaders, presidents. <laughs> I, I hadn't really thought so much in that direction, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I mean, I was just open to right. to whatever the world sort of was like. Oh, that that would be an interesting turn for her, and it wasn't really coming. Well, you must have pretty good representation. They seem to keep you working. You've worked all. Yeah, bit. no, I I have. It's yeah. it's been pretty steady, but I also my parents were getting divorced. How old were you? Twenty three. Oh, it was really? really dramatic and traumatic for me. Yeah, my mom left my father for a woman, and it was completely surprising. And it sort of coincided in a year where I had a lot. I had uh, this movie with Diane Keaton coming out. I had that record, Wild Hope, coming out. I had another movie coming out, and I was touring. It was like maybe the busiest year I'd ever really had. 
And it all sort of happened over the Christmas break right before the year started. And She came out? She... Mm, I ended up finding a letter from her that she wasn't... It was like a therapy exercise that she wasn't intending to send to us. We're at the house? Mm-hmm. On her computer. Uh-huh. Because I had like bought her a laptop and I was setting up her laptop for her for Christmas. Right. And I saw this letter in her like, you know, draft folder. Yeah. And... Uh, I didn't know what to do, and so I sort of confronted her after the holidays and told her that I had read it, and uh. it just, <laughs> it was re- really dramatic, but You were I, the only one who knew? No, I told my younger brother. And, and, and were you guys- We were on vacation, and it was- Where? We were in, I think, North Carolina. The whole family? The whole family. We were on Christmas vacation. And you had this information? I, had, I found this information, like sitting in the same room as my parents. And you're like 23. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do with it, so I kind of like put the computer and down. Basically, the information was I've been having an affair with this I've been this having woman. an affair on your father. I'm in love with this woman. Mm. And uh, I feel so bad. I've kind of talked about it before, but um, uh, and essentially, like, I'm, I'm going to be leaving your father. And yeah, wow. I, I didn't, I, I literally just sort of like glanced at it and sort of like words kind of jumped out at me, but I didn't sit there like reading it. And there's a whole entire shift. So much to process. An entire shift. Yeah. I, I ran upstairs. My brother followed me because he could sense that something was wrong. I told him what was going on. Oh, and I was like, we have to go down and and say something to them. They were like literally across, like sitting on the other couch, not, watching TV in front of us. Not just to her, to them. To them, you, my you parents. Were... My parents were both there. Not the not my mom's partner. No, no, but I mean, you were you were gonna you you were gonna yeah. be the way your dad was gonna find out. No, no, I, oh. I he knew he. That's what it had indicated in oh. the letter that oh. he that my dad knew, and they were sort of trying to figure out the terms oh, of what wow. their relationship was yeah. gonna look like and. And so I was like ready to go down and confront them. And my brother, you know, thank goodness, was like, I don't think that's the right way to handle this. My younger brother, <laughs> he's like, you know, dad seems like, haven't you noticed that he's he's like, he's really sort of like taking in this yeah. vacation. I think he knows that this is perhaps the last time we're all going to be together as oh, a family. Wow. Let, let him have this time. And so I had to go through like two or three more days of this vacation, knowing this information and that's pretty like, intuitive. So angry of at my mom. Oh yeah. Yeah. But it's very intuitive of your brother. It's interesting. It really was. Yeah. He's he's a sensitive, thoughtful guy, and it was the right move. And we we like sat out the rest of the the family vacation, and and then it after the vacation is when I sort of confronted them, confronted yeah. my mom. How did that go? Like um, I mean, what did you say? I just said I, I I found that letter on the laptop and she was shocked mm-hmm. and didn't obviously want me to find out that way. She was planning on sitting down and telling us in person and wanted to wait until like after the holidays. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I wasn't equipped emotionally to sort of like figure out how to compartmentalize it. Like I, I, I just, I didn't, exactly. I just, <laughs> I didn't know how to handle it other than to feel, um, it wasn't that my mother was leaving my father for a woman. It was that my mother was leaving my father. Right. I, they had been together since high school. They'd been married for 30 years. Mm. I like, I was one of the only people in my orbit that like, whose parents were still together. So I had like yeah. a sense of pride about that. Sure. So that was what was so devastating and mm. that my mom had had this affair, could have been with anybody. Um, right. So I, I spent a whole year kind of icing her out, which was terrible, but I didn't know what else to do. And did uh, did that relationship succeed? Yes, they're still together. 
Wow. Yeah. So she knew. She knew. Yeah. <laughs> They've been together ever since. And my dad, like six months later, met um, my stepmom. And they're together. And they're t- they've been together, yeah, and just as long. Do they talk to each other? They do. Yeah, they were all at my wedding, and I saw my <laughs> I saw my stepmom and my mom like on the dance floor together. And really, yeah, my dad and my mom's partner dancing together. So it's I don't think they talk often, but right. you know, but it's there's, not they have three. Ch- it's not acrimonious. They have three children together. So and they're happier. So much happier. <laughs> it's crazy how that happens in life. Life, yeah, yeah. They're they're with who they're meant to be with. Yeah, they're like more fully realized, more content. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's painful these transitions, and people get but hurt. Necessary. And, yeah, it's hard to make those choices. You know, it is. Uh, and uh, like, how were you brought up uh, religious wise? What, what were... uh, somewhat Catholic, but like fair weather catholic but were you would you say your parents were progressive because like what was the fact that she was with a woman sort of like what it was it was surprising but not um no one was like judgmental about it and both of my brothers are gay as well oh okay so it's and they had come out at that point before my mom had so it wasn't um it wasn't shock. It was shocking, just in like on on the surface. But right, but you weren't a conservative family. No, right? no, no, oh, no, yeah, not at all. Not right, all. right. And both your folks are Catholic. No, my dad never went to church with us. It was always my mom's side. She's Catholic. Mm-hmm. Hmm. She's half. She was half Catholic, half Jewish. Huh. My grandmother was Catholic, and my grandfather was Jewish. Did you know them? I did. Yeah. 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 My my uh, my see, mother's I'd... parents. I knew my father's parents died when I was really little. So you knew your Jewish grandfather. I did. Yeah. Was he like classic Jewish grandfather? I, I mean, he died when I was eight. Ah. So I didn't get to know him. Like, I mean, I have vague memories of him. But I mean, I guess. She was brought up Catholic. She celebrated like Hanukkah and Christmas is how she always put it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, this is all very uh, <laughs> exciting. And then, and then right around this time with the movies and everything else, then you start the relationship with Ryan. Mm-hmm. That time, like the next year, yeah. Did or did you find that the emotional upheaval of all that stuff did did it did that play into you gravitating? It was the largest factor of huh. you know when you feel out of control in a situation, I can't control my immediate family, and the fact that like this particular situation sort of blew us up in a way. Yeah. So For I how was long? like, for like a year, you said, or. Um, I mean, kind of indefinitely. Like it's yeah. never it's fractured us in a way that we'll right. never be the same, obviously. We won't we don't spend holidays all together anymore. Right, right. Like I get it. it's and I guess that's sort of an inevitability anyway, as you get older and you have your own family. So I guess I kinda just thought, Well, I'll I'll create my own family. I'll start my own family. Yeah, my my life seems out of control and this guy seems way out of control. <laughs> I- <laughs> <laughs> in <I> retrospect, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, I like I'm I'm not here to uh, to to throw no, Ryan no, no, under no, the no, bus, no. but it's just that you know, like oh, from everything I've heard about him, yeah. he's notoriously his reputation precedes him. Sure. It does, it does yeah. a bit. But yeah. but uh, but that's interesting because the trauma of that experience at the age you were at is is not completely you know like uh, emotionally life threatening, but mm-hmm. it is trauma. It is trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it is sort of a 
a kind of like you know like what what else didn't I know and like you know what was it all a lie kind of stuff absolutely and, you reevaluate your entire life and upbringing uh-huh. and yeah. yeah so this was like my way of of steadying myself did you but did you ever talk to your mother about what like was this a surprise to her yes it was of course i right. mean i talked to her like at the the end of that year uh-huh. and it it was a surprise to her it wasn't something she was looking for it was wasn't she likes to say that she's she's not into labels so she she just fell in love with this person and it, she could have been a woman or a man what does that person do um she is a tennis instructor they live in sedona Oh, I live in Arizona. That's they very moved nice. from Florida to, to Arizona. I know. Red rocks. Lots of red rocks. And crystals. And, and hiking. Uh, and... Like minded people. Yep. The, the one place in Arizona where there might be like minded <laughs> <laughs> Yes. The one little dot of blue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's uh, so, so now, like, you, after that, that's, that's what brought on the sort of like, I got to, I've got to figure out where I'm at in my life. Mm-hmm. And you meet Ryan where? We met on tour. I was um, in Minneapolis, and he was in Minneapolis. And I remember we Great were- Great city. Love Minneapolis. I love it. Love. And we were driving in, and one of the guys in my band was like, hey, Ryan Adams and the Cardinals is playing at that theater. And I didn't know his music, really. Sure. But the band was really excited. And well, we were- he's a band's band. He's, he's like a, band's, a, a musician's musician. Sure. Yeah. So we were playing really early mm. that day. And we reached out to his people to see if we could go to the show. You were playing really early, like why? Because of for I kids? No, it was. You know, I think it was like an um, like an all ages right. show or something. Yeah. So I think like we were done by eight o'clock or uh-huh. something. So we managed to be able to go to his show. And I remember we sat in the audience, and and it was good. But I, I, it was like the stage was really dark and they were, I remember in like a semicircle and I didn't even know which one was Ryan, but I was like, wow, that, that was great. They're tight. They were tight. Yeah. And afterwards we got sort of ushered into this area where they said we were going to meet the band. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And at the time, my friend um, Chris Stills, his dad is Stephen Stills. He was he was on tour and opening up for us, and he's like, "You still I'm, friends with him?" I haven't seen Chris in forever. I wonder how his dad's doing. I wonder how his dad's doing. I think too. his dad was losing his hearing last no I heard. No way. Yeah, that's what I heard. Oh, that's what that Steve Stills is one of the great voices. Amazing. Well, Chris right? sounds exactly like his father. He's got an incredible is, voice. Is he still doing it? He is. Yeah, he's still making music. I gotta get hip to that. Um, yeah. Okay, so so he he's like, I know Ryan. I worked with Ryan on one of his records or something. Yeah. And someone comes back to us while we're standing there waiting for the rest of the band comes out, but no Ryan. Mm. They're like, he felt like he had a really bad show and he doesn't want to meet anybody. I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, like a kid. I'm like, I don't. Yeah. Okay, fine. That's my guy. <laughs> the so guy. they tell us to go if we want to say hi to him. We can go on the bus. Uh huh. So we. Um, we, uh, Chris and I are like, okay. So we hop on the bus and Ryan's back there and he's on his laptop and he has these glasses on and crazy hair and like a flannel shirt. And he shows us some ridiculous movie he's made on his laptop called like Pizza Ninja or uh-huh. something that he made with his bandmates on yeah. his digital camera. Okay. And I'm telling you, I was just like, this is, this guy yeah. is the most bizarre person, but his <laughs> mind, I am, I've never met anyone like him. Yeah. And as a 23-year-old impressionable yeah. young woman, That's how old you were, I was really taken by him. Yeah. Yeah. I just like, I, I had never met someone who had that lens on the world. Uh-huh. And- Blew your mind. Blew my mind. And you were I mean, in. just, just, he was so 
unabashedly like himself, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And I left and I remember turning to Chris and I was like, I really like him. Uh-huh. And he was like, kind of <laughs> a little, <laughs> kind of told me like, you know what? He's, How old is um, he at that time? Oh my gosh. He's 10 years older than right. me. So okay. he was like in his yeah. mid thirties. Yeah. yeah, and and but that was it. You that were was smitten. It. I was a smitten. And then you started mitten. dating somehow. Yeah, and shortly then, there, a couple months after that. Yeah, we're we out here. Dating. He lived in New York, oh. so we sort of dated. Like I would go to New York, and, and you were living out here then. I was living out here. Yeah, I've been out here the whole time. The whole time mm-hmm. since what? Ninety nine. Since the first record. Mm-hmm. So you marry Ryan, mm-hmm. and as you look back on it in terms of your own. Creativity. I mean, I imagine musically it must have been a bit intimidating. Yes. Yes and no. Um, yeah. I mean, without getting too into the weeds, he, he is an incredibly, like, prolific writer. Yeah. He's constantly writing, constantly yeah. writing music and poetry. I think and that's how he stays sane. Yeah, I, I, if, I if guess. I just, I think that I that's... I don't know him. I think I'm, that's his... Mm-hmm. Um, that's just where he operates. Yeah, That's right. where he feels comfortable. It's it, it's ingrained in the fiber of who he is. If he's not creating, he's not himself. Right. right. Um, so it was intimidating, but also it became the norm. Yeah. So after a while, that kind of faded, and you're like, oh, this is just my husband, and he's writing another song. Like, it's yeah. not that big of a deal. And what were you doing? I was living my life for him. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, codependency action. Yeah. Taking care of the. Uh, Taking care, being the mother. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, and that that becomes. It's an entirely unhealthy dynamic. Well, yeah, because you you lose yourself. Oh, I had s- no sense of self. I was imperceptible. I was so small uh-huh. in my own world. Yeah. It's interesting. Now, did you find that? Can you identify that dynamic in your parents, or do you, no. it, it just it was a surprise? The the kind of in, uh, enabling, uh, trying to control the person thing, or trying to take care of somebody who doesn't quite take care of themselves. Yeah, I think a little bit of all of that. Mm-hmm. It made me feel worthy. Yeah. It made me feel like I had value if I could be there for somebody else oh. and serve their needs. You know, because it. I think it like. <laughs> Not to go down again a rabbit hole with like therapy, but I think it goes back to feeling undeserving of what I've had in my life, huh. you know, as a yeah. young person and finding success. And right. I think there was part of me that's like, okay, well, this part of my life is I'm okay to not live for myself right now. This I've guy needs of me. That. He needs me. Yeah. And I know how to do that. I yeah. know how this person who who's estranged from their family, like I can show them what it's like to have a normal life uh-huh. and to celebrate yeah. birthdays and holidays and go on vacations and, and this is after your family is shattered. After my family. exactly. It's You're, like let's do this together. And I thought that that's how it was going to sort of unfold, but it didn't. So you ended up a depleted husk of a person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Essentially, yeah, just sort of like <laughs> devoid of self and devoid kind of, of self. running into things, like a codependency sort of bottom hitting. You know, you know. Sometimes you know people get clumsy. They wreck cars. They you know because nope. you were no good. I didn't do that. Yeah. Um. I think it like it it my codependency fed into his codependency and some other issues underlying issues that like it was just the perfect cacophony of. Yeah. Of madness. Yeah. 
And it really was, I was so not serving myself. And and what was the moment where you're like, God, I got to get out. I felt, I felt like I was drowning. No. Yeah. I just, it was so untenable and unsustainable. Yeah. And I was so lonely. Uh, I was so sad. I was so. Because he was away all the time or you were lonely with him? I was lonely with him. Oh, it's the worst. The worst. There's nothing worse. So I. Yeah, because like part of you detaches and there's just this talking thing there. Yeah. (laughs) And you're like, that's talking again. Yeah. what am I doing? You're thinking about being other places, and yeah. I just I knew that this wasn't the rest yeah. of my life. And I knew that this was not the person I was supposed to be with. I was not the person I was meant to be. Was there a lot of drama? Yeah, like yeah. yelling and screaming and stuff. Yeah, mm. and I am not a dramatic person. I'm not a fighter. Did you become one? I would try to fight back, but yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I, 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 I hate confrontation. I mm. shrink from it. I avoid it at all costs. Yeah. I'm not good at it. And you're living with it. And I lived with it. And I'm just like, it, it's just not built in the fiber of who I am. I'm not good at it. I don't, I can't find my words. Yeah. So did you just, did you, were you like, I'm done? Kind of. Yeah. If it were only that easy, but <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately it was not. I'm, it just was a lot of, of, endless conversations crying conversations in a loop crying Ugh. yeah all of that oh. yeah for months and months and months and months and months even after yeah filing for divorce sorry yeah. you went through that thank you it's okay it's all part of it and i what, needed it how long were you with him almost seven years oh so that's a long run it's a long run so that like so you, you know for about three and a half it's great and then you know for about three it's just like oh and then for about a half it's like I might kill myself. <laughs> More or less, yeah. Yeah, I've had I had two seven, eight year ones. Wow. Where you know, where it's it's weird because you realize at some point in the middle of those things where you're like, I shouldn't be this shouldn't keep going. No. And then you just It's not like, fair to anybody. Yeah, and then it goes on for years more. Yeah. What'd you do when you got out? Um, six months later, I got This Is Us. Oh, so that just, so this is relatively fresh. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's three, three, three years. years. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, three and a half years. But in the span I mean, of a it's, lifetime. I mean, it's crazy, though, like, when you're not putting yourself, when you're not prioritizing yourself yeah. and your needs in life, I couldn't get traction with anything. I was trying so desperately. I was like, all I want... Before Ryan. With Ryan. I was oh. like, all I want is to be able to do a television show, hopefully here in Los Angeles. Have a nice job. Have a nice job. Insurance. Yeah. Well, I can just like, I can come home every night. I ha- My husband's here and Were he'll be on the road. Kids? Yes. Ooh. I desperately wanted a family. Boy, did you dodge a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I think my I just innately knew like let's wait for things to settle down and find some even ground before uh, I venture ever, into that. Do you ever think about that? Oh like, yeah, yeah, all the time. I mean, well, I'm yeah. just glad, as everyone said, like you're so lucky that you didn't have children because you're forever tied to that person, mm. and I don't want to be mm-hmm. at all. So, um, so now you're back, fresh slate. So now, so now it's a fresh slate. And but so, would you call that time though, like career-wise, were you? Because you'd made this decision to sort of lock into something emotionally that you could at least, I don't know if control is the right word, but rebuild for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of prioritize that over everything. I did. 
And I didn't really have a choice. I knew that I couldn't be in that relationship. It wouldn't sustain itself if yeah. I was working as well. Because there would be glimmers of that of me. I would do little jobs. It's not like I completely stopped working. Right. But I would do things here or there. But it became abundantly clear while I was working. Things would completely fall apart at home. Really? Yeah. So it it showed me. In what way? It just... You know, if you're not there to take care of someone, essentially. Who needs like, that? Who needs it? Then every, Emotionally, you, literally. So you get estranged inside a week. Yeah. Like you come home and you're like, what's, well, you know. Or you know. just like endless, I mean, I hate to be so personal, but it's like endless, like, I couldn't do my job because right. there was just a constant stream of, of trying to pay attention to this person who yeah. needed me. Yeah. And who wouldn't let me do right. anything else because that's rough. Yeah, it was. So you're kind of uh, you were kind of stifled, it, completely hostage so, situation. So it was like I knew that I wouldn't. I even had my my best friend at the time was like, "You will not be able to work or find any semblance of success while you're in this marriage." Oof. And I remember sort of like poo pooing her at the time, but also kind of wow. quietly agreeing. Yeah, real. And uh, and so I'm telling you, though, six months after I filed for divorce. And the, the divorce was final. I, I got the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you were emotionally ready. I was ready. <laughs> you had a lot of stuff. I had a lot of baggage to bring yeah. to the table. A lot of stuff Lots inside. of tears yeah. right underneath the Multi-generational surface. Multi-generational tears. <laughs> yeah. You had enough emotional baggage to span three generations. Yes. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah, that's what you do. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a that I'm I'm glad you. It's one of those things where you you know, and I have them too in my life where you have these relationships that, if you really just think like just one or two things could have happened and, that that road would have been rough, (laughs) entirely different. Yeah. So and the show got how many? What was the audition process like for This Is Us? Um. They age you really well. You do a good job with it. It's interesting. They do a great job, right? Well, it's the interesting thing about you and like the the uh, small amount of research that i did was that it seems that you you were able to you know stand out in a lot of the roles you did in in movies that may not have been great thanks yeah i mean like well it seems like you know for someone like roger ebert to consistently like you Hmm. in things that he didn't like i mean that's a tough audience so a tough audience yeah (laughs) but he did didn't he yeah and so you have uh, you know a unique thing as a as an actress, and uh, this is great that you can really kind of work the whole range of it. Yeah. But did you just were they looking for you, or did you have to? Was no, it a, I auditioned. Like I, it was a big process. Mm-hmm. It was one of those pilots that was what they call off cycle. Uh-huh. So I remember it was like November, and usually you know pilot season here in this town's like January to now April it's all or the time now. Well, yeah, yeah, with the different streaming right. platforms and stuff, but like traditional network right. pilot season is what, the beginning was it? of the was year. It February, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's like January to April right. or something. Yeah. So I auditioned in November, and I was at the beginning of the audition process, and they the feedback was like they really liked you, but now they're going to go to New York and Chicago and you know read a bunch of other girls. So I didn't hear anything for about six weeks. Uh huh. And then they came back and said, um, you know, we'd love to read you and a handful of other girls with a bunch of guys that we're considering and uh, and just, you know, prepare your sides. And right. I did. And I went in and the only guy I read with was Milo. 
And I felt good about that because I heard going in, like, he's the guy to beat. Right. They love him. Yeah. Everybody wants him to get the part. Yeah. So uh, um, That's so harsh. That's it's such the a, worst. That process of pleasing studio executives <gasps> and reading in front of, like, a room full of just judgy faces. I get, like, flop sweat. I can't. Just I'm thinking the about worst, it. The worst. The worst. Testing yeah. for that stuff? The oh, worst. Yeah. What I'm, a I'm terrible from. in the room, too. You are? Yeah. I just, I feel like, I'm like, just give me the part. I can do it. Like, just, I'll show up on set and I'll show you. But Just believe just me. Just <laughs> but trust me, okay? But it's like being terrible yeah. at standardized tests, but knowing yeah. that you have the capacity to, like, sure. do the work. Sure, I just, auditions suck. Oh, you must have been so happy to get it. How it long did it go on thrilled. for that uh, the, the audition? Well, the process. Um, It was, like, uh, probably another or... month. Oof. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Now, did you, like, when you read the pilot, were you like, oh, this is good? Yeah. Oh, yeah? I did. Because I, I remember I had just signed with a new agent, and we had talked a lot about, like, let's not do traditional pilot season, because I had done it. like The business is going in different directions. Totally. But also, I'd, like, done it three or four times and yeah. had been disappointed, and my pilots hadn't gotten picked up, and I was so just, like, shattered. Yeah. And two weeks after that meeting, I get this, like, script for an NBC pilot called the Untitled Dan Fogelman Project. And uh-huh. I was like, what? We just talked about like not doing network pilot season. Yeah. And, uh, but I knew my, I knew my, my folks were, you know, on it. And of course I read it and immediately was like, this is, this is incredible writing. And it, and the it left the door and the concept, it left the door wide open to go like in a yeah. million different directions. Yeah. So I wanted Exciting. to be a part of it. Yeah. And you are. Yeah. But it's it's and it's like a it's a tremendous hit on a network uh, show and that doesn't happen that much anymore. I think you know, I think it's a, we're a dying breed. Yeah. Kind of right. We are no absolutely. Yeah, and and it keeps winning all these prizes because it's so emotional. <laughs> People are acting the shit out of it. Trying our best. And tell Sullivan, I'm sorry if I upset uh, I'll, him. I'll let Didn't him I know. apologize? I feel you like did. I you did. You did. I mean, I know who he is now because I've watched the show a few times. He's <laughs> very good in it. He's funny. He's yeah. the best. Yeah, he's great. And he was also in that thing on HBO, right? The, uh, he was. Uh, he was also on The Nick, which I haven't seen, but everybody raves about. But, okay, so you never made a record. You were on Ryan's record, but you guys never did a record together. You did, no. never did any of his songs or no. anything. No, no, no. But I would sing on his records, yeah. It's weird that he never wrote enough songs for you. <laughs> okay. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no comment. But you you're you are gonna return to music? This I am. is some Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and what are your ideas about that for yourself? Um, I mean I think the great thing about not having any sort of expectation yeah. from the outside world is it gives you the utmost freedom to do whatever you want. Are you in the studio? I'm going to during our hiatus. And you're writing songs? Mm-hmm. I have a good handful. Yeah. Right now, yeah. And how are they are are they personal? How are they different? How are you <laughs> Yeah, they're very personal, but I I mean I feel like I've lived a life in the last 10 years. I have plenty to say. Yeah. I think I've also like... Sounds like you could write a country record. I could write a country <laughs> record. It is. It'll be like a nouveau country record. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, be like a sure. Jason Isbell record. No. Yeah. Um, How but, good is that guy? Uh, I love Jason. Such a great guy. He really is. Have you had him in? Here? I have. That was, that was a big show. Oh, I got, I got to listen to that one. I was in... That. That's a great thing because... Not unlike most things, like I had to catch up on him, but we were in Minneapolis uh, together. Like we oh. were both on that that live radio show, Wits. Oh, wow. So like I took that opportunity to interview him. So he had been on the road and he performed on, you know, I did uh, comedy or whatever I did on that show. 
and he sang. And then that night, I was going to record him because I got a thing that I travel with when I do him on the road. Mm-hmm. And I was in, it was like 1230 at night. We were in a hotel room. And I was, and he was, you know, beat, you know, from the road. And sure. But we had this great conversation. And then he performed that song, Elephant. Oh. But like literally, I was in the hotel room. God, I could holding, cry thinking about. I it. was holding a mic to his mouth <sighs> and holding one to the guitar while he sang that in front of him, and I recorded it like that. And that it, guy. W- it was intense, man. He's so special. He's such a special writer. No kidding. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, such a talent. He he went on tour with Ryan, and I met him then. This was years yeah. ago. With his band then? The, no, was he wasn't. Solo? Like, yeah, he was solo. It you was, choked he, up from that. Just thinking, I mean, about, just that thinking about that song. I know. I man. remember because Ryan was going to produce that record at one point in time. It was a whole thing. But, yeah. So I heard those demos. Oh, yeah. And just yeah. remember thinking like, Oof. and watching him play some of them on stage. Like yeah. it was, he's he's an artist for this oh, yeah. generation. Just too. great. Like, oh, yeah. 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 So yeah. you should get him involved in your record. <laughs> <laughs> see, if, see if Jason will come out and do it. I tune. mean, I uh, he, he's a he's a busy gentleman, and uh, I want to work with my husband. Yeah, yeah. The, I, the one that wants to work with you. <laughs> 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 but I, I am I I want to make music with Taylor. I want to make music with Mike. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have like a whole like Blake. Like, there's so many friends of ours. That, yeah. That um, well, that Dawes world is a is a whole world unto itself. It is, yeah, yeah. yeah. I and mean, there's a whole there's such an incredible scene of like young musicians here in Los Angeles. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, yeah, definitely to tap into. Yeah, Blake's great. He's Blake's, great. Yeah, he's he's a prodigy. Kind of, he's a genius. Yeah, he's a genius. Great producer. Yes. Well, I'm I'm excited to to hear what songs you have about your life. Yeah. When what's the uh, what are you thinking? When are you going to get that? I mean, our hiatus is like March through June, so hopefully have something out this year. And you got a studio at the house? No, we don't. Really? We'll go to like go to like East West or some cool studio out here and get some of the it. fellas. Yeah, get some of the fellas and, and do the record. Do it up. We'll bring some ladies too if you can. Sure. It's yeah, find we'll, a couple. We'll include them too. Okay, good. Yeah. Good talking to you, Mandy. You too. Thanks for this. Yep. Okay, that was that was fu- that was great. We dished a bit. Okay, you know she dished a bit. You know, but uh, relationships are tough, man. Crazy and sometimes um, fucked up. But uh, it was nice to learn more about her. This is us. Is the show she's on? Obviously, and of course, many people love it. Uh, airs Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern on NBC. And don't forget, grab yourself a vinyl copy of my stand-up special, Too Real, as well as posters, T-shirts, mugs, books, whatever at podswag.com slash WTF or click on the merch link at WTFpod.com. Also, tour dates, WTFpod.com slash tour. Uh, I'm going to be in the UK and I'll I'll shortly be announcing a a few club dates here in the States. All right, so let's, let's play some guitar with my Echoplex and my Wawa pedal. Wow, <laughs> wow, 
Boomer lives.